as we near the end of Hebrews, uh, be thinking about, be praying about uh, the book of Ruth. Uh, We'll be, Lord willing, uh, looking at that short book from the Old Testament after we complete this letter to the Hebrew Christians. So if you have a copy of God's word, as we close out uh, this study, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. We'll be looking at verses 18 and 19 here this morning. And we'll see here in our text that the writer is urging and exhorting the congregation to pray for him and those with him. In other words, pray for your leaders. This is God's word to us for our edification. Let us keep that in mind as we ponder the truths that are given to us here this morning in this passage. Look with me at verse 18. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. There are two main thoughts that we'll be uh, looking at here this morning uh, in praying for the church leaders. The first thought is that uh, as a congregation, you should be praying that your leaders act honorably in all things. We'll see that in verse number 18. Verse 19, we'll see that you should be praying that God would remove any hindrances to our ministry. Verse number 19. So that's how we'll move through this passage here this morning. And so as we think about prayer, how do we as a congregation prepare for however many years the Lord gives us here to minister in Enid. How do we prepare for that? How how do we ready ourselves as a congregation to continue to keep our hands to the plow, to do the work of the ministry, to evangelize the lost, to serve one another. How do we prepare to do that? We do it by obeying God's word. We do it by doing what God tells us to do and be what God tells us to be in the Bible. There is no option if we're going to be effective and fruitful in ministry. As a congregation. This is our calling as a congregation. God has called us to serve him and to serve Christ and to glorify him. 
in the ministry. We saw last week the author giving us, uh, he continues to give us examples of, of what we're to do and what we're to be. We saw last week that the congregation is to obey your leaders. And you're to submit to their authority for they keep watch over you as men who must give an account to the chief shepherd. He says that uh, pastors, in a sense, lie awake at night thinking of how they ought to serve the congregation. Lying awake at night thinking, what will what will I preach? What will we what what would be edifying to the congregation and glorifying to God? They're always thinking and pondering about the spiritual well-being of the flock. Meditating upon how they might best help the people of God grow in love and in faithfulness. And they do this again because they and, and, and we know your pastors know that one day we will have to stand before the Lord and give an account of our stewardship. That is a I, I don't I don't know if you understand if you think about that on a daily basis. That this is a reality that is given in Scripture to your pastors. That one day they will have to stand before Christ and give an account for souls, eternal souls. In our passage today, no wonder the writer requests prayer for himself and the church leaders. Praying for church leaders is essential. When you think about the difficulty of pastoral ministry, you hear often of church leaders falling into sin. And when this happens, you hear about it immediately. You hear about it. It'll be in the newspaper. And a pastor falling into sin is tragic. But can I tell you what is more tragic or just as tragic as that? A congregation that does not pray for their leaders. It's a tragedy when a congregation does not engage in continual prayer for the God-given leadership in the church. God, Christ, the Holy Spirit have given the church and appointed pastors and teachers. And for the congregation not to pray for their, the spiritual leaders is to be apathetic to the pastoral difficulties and it is to be indifferent to the Trinity who gave spiritual leaders to the church. And because no leader is perfect, 
If he claims to be perfect, then he's not fit to lead. But since no leader is perfect, the congregation should continually be seeking God's grace in prayer for their leaders. You should pray that your leaders discharge their their duties with integrity to the glory of God and for the good of the church. We see this in verse 18. Look at verse 18. We'll see here that the writer called. He says, pray what the principle that we get from it from this is that you pray for your church leaders. Notice how the writer starts verse 18. He says, pray for us. And this is a command. It is a command. And and the tense of the verb is is saying this about the, the, the this congregation. He is saying, keep on praying for us and 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 what he is implying is that this congregation has already been praying for their leaders and and before we go further and talk about the necessity of praying for your leaders let's talk about prayer first of all so that we won't minimize what prayer is Prayer is primarily a means of spiritual worship that God has granted to the people of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what prayer, when he says, when he talks about prayer right here, we're talking about spiritual Worship, a a sense of spiritually worshiping God who has given the privilege privilege to approach him in prayer. And so when when you think of praying for your leaders, you should you should see prayer for your leaders as an expression of worship to God through Jesus Christ. Remember what he said back in Verse 15, the writer said in verse 15 of chapter 13 of Hebrews, he says, through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name in prayer. Prayer is acknowledging the the reality of who God is and that God has done a good thing for the congregation he's given you leaders and so prayer is a means of spiritual worship that god has granted to you eric alexander said in his book on prayer quote prayer is not simply or mainly asking god for things we need uh as uh, he said the, the things that we need as one prayer manual suggests. He says that it is not just a means of obtaining favors from God. Indeed, it is primarily worship and adoration of God for his greatness and grace. End quote. You see, beloved, prayer is worship. It is acknowledging God as that God is your heavenly father, that his name be hallowed, 
that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Matthew 6. And, 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 and understanding that prayer is, a, a, is spiritual worship is essential because what that does is that it prevents you from developing a negative attitude in prayer. Or it, it, would even, it would even prevent you from having a negative attitude toward your leaders. An attitude that might hinder you from being persuaded by your spiritual leaders teaching and submitting to their leadership as they willingly watch over your souls. So it is important that we see prayer for your leaders as spiritual worship. Second, prayer is not only spiritual worship to God, it is also spiritual communion between you and God. According to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, Peter says to those believers, and this uh, applies to us as well. He said, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You're holy priest if you're a believer. You're holy. You're, you are a royal priesthood chosen by God out of all the peoples on this earth. And as holy priests, you have the great privilege of coming boldly before the throne of grace and communing with God the Father. Hebrews 4 and 16 says this, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find help, a grace to help in the time of need. You have the privilege as holy priests to commune with God. God the Father who not only hears prayers, but answers prayers. This is the this is what we're talking about when we when when we say when 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 prayer is taught. This is what it means when prayer is mentioned here. It, it is it is spiritual worship. It is spiritually communion with God who desires to answer the prayers of His people. And because of these realities, prayer then is it, it, it is vital. It is vital to uh, to to the spiritual well-being of, of of a congregation. Paul uh, saw the prayers of the saints, the prayers of the saints to God, as vital to his ministry. In Romans chapter fifteen, verses thirty through thirty-three, he says, "He says now I urge you, brethren." by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers. In your prayers to God 
for me. That's the Apostle Paul. Strive together with me in your prayers to God for me that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judah and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God. And this is what the writer would talk about his desire in verse 19. He desires to be he desires that their fellowship be restored. Paul says here in Romans 15, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. Paul prays this. This was read earlier. Pray on my behalf. That utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. Paul, he requests at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on the account of which I am prison. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25, brothers, pray for us. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happening among you. You see, the Paul himself was calling on the congregation to take advantage of the spiritual, the, the, the spiritual means of grace that God has given to the church. And that is prayer. Paul himself was asking for that. Paul saw it as vital, as essential to his ministry. Do you see it? Do you pray for your leaders? Do you, you, you know, it would, do, do, do you pull your leaders aside when you know that there's a challenge or you uh, become aware of something that they're dealing with? You pull them aside and you put your arms around them and say, brother, I'm with you and I want to pray for you. Well, did you imagine? I mean, we pray for you. Just imagine if you did that for your leaders, what it would do for their soul. It's, it's a privilege for a congregation to commune with God and petition him in prayer for the spiritual well-being of their pastors. Doors are open. Ministry opportunities are granted. The enemy of their souls is put at bay by the prayers offered in worship to God on their behalf. It's a privilege. It, it, it is a privilege. It, it is the, and I can say to you, it is one of the most important things you can do as a congregation for your leaders. Because it glorifies God first and foremost. 
the God who gave leaders. But every leader knows this. Every leader knows that we need your prayers. Every God leader knows that he is inadequate for the task of shepherding God's people. The writer says, he said, leaders are those who will give an account. Give an account to God. Who who is adequate? Who has the ability to do such a thing? Who is sufficient? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 16, who is sufficient? For these things, your your leaders need the Holy Spirit empowerment to be to be effective and to be fruitful for the sake of Jesus Christ. So pray for your leaders. Pray that we would act honorably in all things. Notice the passage. The writer says, pray for us. And the reason he appeals to them. To pray to God, he says, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. He and those with him have desired to do what is right before God. To do what is right before a holy God and in light of the priesthood and the atoning work of God, they wanted to serve with integrity. The writer has had some hard things to say. We know that. He he has said some hard things for the good of the congregation. He has taught them. He's admonished them. He's warned them of the dangers of their conduct. And because of this, there may have been some tension. Because people do not like being confronted or challenged about their faith. And maybe the readers had questioned the motives and falsely accused the writer and those with him and the leaders of not have not being genuine. But the writer is saying, are we sure that we have a clear conscience? There, there is no inward sense of guilt from sin towards you. I, I haven't intentionally desired to sin against you my conscience is clear we have sought in a sense he's saying we've sought the spiritual good of you as a congregation as faithful servants of Christ we've spoken the truth in love and compassion for the sake of Christ and you know again with Paul, he had similar attacks on his ministry and leadership. 
there were those who insinuated that he had a ulterior motives in the ministry. But Paul defended his integrity and he said that his conscience was clear before God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, Paul says, you also must help us in prayer. Prayer was a constant request of the Apostle Paul. He says, you must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. Verse 12, for our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience that we have behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so towards you. He goes on in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. He said, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to uh, cunning to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Paul in these passages desired that the congregation know and understand the true nature of his ministry. Now, there was other passages he talked about his conscience and his desire to serve faithfully and that the false teachers was falsely accusing him. And Paul, in, 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 in these passages and the writer of Hebrews in this letter, desires that the congregation know that they ministered to, to, for the best of those who they lead. And because they minister for the, for the best and for the glory of Christ, pray for them. Pray for them. And, 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 and our congregation need to have the same approach to leaders in order to be pleasing to God. Pray for your leaders as we strive to seek your spiritual good as faithful servants of Christ, ministry teaching, living with a, a clear conscience before you and before holy God. Pray for us. The writer goes on, he says, for we have we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to 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 act honorably in all things. The writer says he, th th he's letting him know this. This has been our desire to live honorably. In all things, he 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 did not act with uh, ulterior motives. He was not deceitful or manipulative toward them. He has always acted, desired to act honorably. 
And I can tell you, it's always disappointing when a congregation member slanders a faithful leader, questions his motive or actions, and interprets what he does in the worst possible way. And the danger of such slander, the danger of such slander, if it spreads the leader's effectiveness in the congregation is hampered. When you misinterpret your leader's desires. Of course, we're not perfect and we fail in every way. But don't take that to mean that we have ulterior motives. Going behind their back. Oh, he could have done this better. How about praying? Because if the congregation buys into such lies, It's doubtful that anybody will be praying for, for a leader, any leader. The writer says, we have desire to act honorably in all things. Just think about the letter of Hebrews and the genuineness of the writer. He's, how, did, how did he even open his letter? He started out by proclaiming Christ. What has he done throughout this letter? Proclaim Christ. He's admonished the congregation for being tempted to turn away from the all-sufficient Christ. He's taught them from the Old Testament how Christ fulfills the the shadows and the types under the Old Covenant. He's encouraged them to hold fast to their confidence in Christ. To, to worship God through Christ alone. He, he's been Christ-centered in all that he has done. He's been like the Apostle Paul who said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, For I decide to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He has acted honorably. There is, as you read this letter, there is no sign of him being deceitful or manipulative toward the congregation. His desire, his one desire has been to lift up and make known the preeminence of Jesus Christ. And because of this, because he's acted honorably, the, the 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 readers should pray confidently for him and those with him. Prayer, prayer to the Lord. Pray to the Lord to develop uh, the 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 uh, and, and to flame the desire to please Christ. And your pastors, pray for that. 
that that flame would stay lit, that Christ would be honored in all things. But in our ministry, pray for that. Pray urgently for that. Pray passionately for that. So that we can minister with the with the conscience that is cleansed, with a clear conscience. And the writer gives, he gives a, he goes on at verse 19, look at verse 19. He, he prays, he desires that they pray that they would act honorably in all things. He also prays that there should, that there would be removal of any hindrances to the ministry. Verse 19 says this, I urge you the more earnestly to do this, to do what? To pray. In order that I might, that I may be restored to you sooner. <laughs> he doesn't have any ulterior motives. He's not away trying to, trying to, he, he doesn't, he doesn't want to be away from the congregation. We don't know what it is that caused the, the, this leader to not be with the congregation, but he here reveals his desire to be, he, he wants to be faithful to the congregation. He knows that in order to be faithful, he has to be right there with them. He, he, ur- he, he earnestly urges them to pray for him so that he can be with them. This is, this is his desire. A, I, I want to I be with you. I, I want to serve you. Through, the, through prayer and ministry of the word, I, I want to be there with you. And, and he wants to return soon. He, he's been with them. That's the implication. But now something is, has prevented him from his pastoral work among the congregation. Perhaps it was imprisonment. Perhaps he was sick. We don't know what exactly what it was, but it, he was hindered and those with him was hindered for being with them. But whatever it was, whatever it was, he earnestly urged the congregation to pray to God for restoration. And if God removed the hindrance, whatever it was, his relationship with the flock and, the, and his pastoral work among them for the sake of the Lord could be restored. This, this, is, this is what his heart desired. This, this, this request reveals the, the genuineness of his love for the congregation. His desire to be with the flock reveals his humble heart as a shepherd for the congregation that God has called him to lead. And then this is this is the 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 desire that Peter has he commanded the Ephesians elders to have. He said in uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 28, he told the Ephesian elders, he said, shepherd the flock among you. (laughs) That means that. The people of God. That God has placed you near and you gather together with and you preach and teach he uh 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 uh, peter says shepherd the flock among you this this is the command 
that that elders are to have. And I told you last week, there are many shepherds that are that are out there shepherding their churches and and you are able to watch them uh, on the Internet. But the command is not given to them to shepherd you. Even though their teaching is beneficial, even though their their teaching uh, is is uh, you you have grown from their teaching, it is the elders, the pastors, the teachers that Christ has given, that the Holy Spirit has appointed, that God has appointed uh, in this local congregation god has given you leaders imperfect as they may be yes they're not like the giants that are out there don't even compare us to them god has given leaders he he has commanded us to 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 shepherd you and to watch over your souls. We have that responsibility. And so we need your prayer. We, we, we need your prayers. Paul, again, he, he prayed. He had a similar desire to be with the people of God. He says in Romans chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, he says, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at least succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you. That I and and no, it, it, why is it that Paul want to be with the churches? Why is it that Paul want to be with the people of God? Well, he tells us. He says, "For I long to see you, that I may impart to you." some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Paul's desire to be with the people of God was for their spiritual fruitfulness and for their spiritual strengthening through his prayer and through the ministry of the word. He goes on in verse 12, that is, that we may mutually encourage uh, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. <laughs> Both yours and mine. <laughs> Paul, the Apostle Paul needed to be encouraged. And he found encouragement in the faith of others. Romans 15, verses 30 and 32, Paul says this, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together. You see the, you see Paul's desire? He saw ministry as something that happened with the with him and with the people of God 
This is what ministry, your pastors are not on a solo mission in ministry. The ministry endeavors of this church involves your pastors and you. Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judah and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Prayer is necessary. Prayer to congregation for your leaders is necessary. It is necessary because what prayer does as you offer it to God in worship, it not only draws you closer to God, but it draws you closer to your leaders. As you get to know them, as you get to know us, and, and, and as you become aware of the challenges and the hindrances that we face in ministry, prayer to God is an opportunity for you to grow closer to us, to join in unity with us in the gospel ministry. And I can tell you, and you know this, Satan, he, he desires to, to hinder the work of God in the church. And guess who is on the front line? Guess who is on his hit list primarily? It's your pastors. Your pastor's family. Your pastor's children. They're on the hit list. Because if he can get to a pastor, whether through his family or through some type of discouragement or, or, or some type of, uh, of, of, of attack from the world. He, he knows that if he can get to a pastor, he can distort, he can divide, and, 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 and if he can ruin churches. If he, if he can get, if he can get to a pastor, if he can get to a church leader, and cause uh, uh, any type of sin. Just think about what that'll do to your faith. And if that is true, if you know that to be true, you ought to be praying. It would be a shame for a pastor to fall and for the people of God to not have been praying for that pastor. And I've seen that. 
where the real attitudes of the congregation came out when the pastor sinned. They really let him know how they felt the whole time about it. So to prevent this, pray for your pastors. Pray fervently for them. We face spiritual and emotional attacks every day. Now I can tell you one of the for me, one of the times that I'm most discouraged is right after I preach the sermon. You can ask Nora. I, I'm, I'm my hardest critic And so we're tempted just like you are. We're no different. We struggle with sin just like you do. We're not superhuman. Just because we pastors and elders. It's no, it don't make us appear over you in any way. We're men, frail men who need prayer. And I can tell you, leadership is difficult. And yes, God, God gives grace. But we need your prayers. Because if, 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 if I know that the congregation is praying and I know Pastor Mark can say the same thing, it lets us know that you understand what we face in the ministry. It lets us know that you stand with us in the work that God has called us to do in the ministry. And when your pastors know that you that the congregation stands with us, there's a sense that God gives us strength. And our faith is inflamed to continue to preach and teach and to carry on the work of the ministry. Because we desire to do the right thing. By you and by Christ. Let us pray. Father, I am grateful that you have called Pastor Mark and I to, to be a part of this congregation. This is an opportunity that you have given to Sovereign Grace Baptist Church is, is, is this, this ministry that you have granted to us is an opportunity to glorify you. 
It is an opportunity to put on display the lordship of Jesus Christ over the church. It is an opportunity for us to display in the way that we love and the way that we pray and serve one another. It is an opportunity for us to display uh, these, these, these opportunities to display the, the true nature of why we do what we do, and that is worship to you for who you are and for what you have done in Jesus Christ. We thank you. And this is what the writer of Hebrews has been getting at in the practical section here in Hebrews. That it is practically worked out. It's all about worship. It's all about you. And as long as we keep you as the priority, as long as we worship you and depend upon you in prayer, we will be effective. We will be fruitful. And we will do what we desire to do. Even as we have put on our website to expand the knowledge of the glory of God. This is why we exist. Not for selfish needs and desires, but that you might be honored in all things. And this starts with prayer, prayer of the leaders for the congregation and the congregation prayer for the leaders. And Father, I pray that you would grant this to us and that the world will see. The world will, will see that you are among us and that the children will see what it looks like to minister together in the gospel ministry. That there's, that there's a tangible reality to the work. That, 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 that there's, a, 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 that there, that, that there's a, a, a visible expression of your work in our hearts as it is displayed in our prayer, in our obedience, in our submission, in our love, in our service, in our, that it's all worship for you and for the glory of Jesus Christ. We thank you for this privilege, the privilege of being Sovereign Grace Baptist Church. Thank you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.